0: Spencer's, I imagine. Good morning. Glad to have you here with us this morning. We're going to come back to Miranda in a little moment. Wasn't that inspiring to hear from Dan? Yeah? I know you had to scoot off. Put your hands together for the person who's absent now, but we will pass it on. At the same time, he had to scoot off a little bit along the way. Just as I start, there's three things that I want to draw to your attention. Um, number one is that uh, what we have happening is East Timor. almost forgot for a moment. Um, we've got a group of people who go to East Timor, usually it's here, particularly to follow on the project, the building project we've been doing um, that's uh, happening and the school that's being built. If you would like to be part of a, a working group, not a working group, a visitation group, then uh, just let us know this week because uh, we're gathering a group of people We're just wondering if we have enough numbers for that. The second thing I want to say along the way is that if you can sign up today for the Engage Sunday, um, Lee's wanting 40 to 60 young and tall, small and tall people to help out with the tree planting and other things. Stu's been doing magnificently with all of the youth um, in the Way to Go program um, in the last term. And at the end of all the activities next week, he's having Jumping Castle, face painting, barbecue in the air, in the courtyard here to celebrate with the kids. So parents, take note of that too. Come along to that after the activity as well. And the third thing I want to say is, has anyone seen the new update that's been coming out? Yes. You know, the brilliant thing about the update is firstly this. We've got some stats. You know, we get stats about these things. And so when it gets posted, we can see when people are opening up, The weekly updates. This is brilliant. Like, look at that hit. We we are surpassing industry standards, really, by three, four hundred percent with it. Well done, you. Uh, I, I love. Yes, I love this next bit here particularly. Though we can tell where you open it up. So let's go. Look, most people opened up in Australia. 5% Some 5% in the USA, 26 in Japan, konnichiwa. Um, in France, 0.7%. Well done, Trish and Grant, but this perplexes me. <laughs> Someone who receives our weekly update is in Barbados. <laughs> who are they? <laughs> they are messing with my head. Someone opened up the update in Barbados. This stuff is brilliant, Colin. Uh, this stuff is so good. This, why were you walking the dog at eleven fifteen last Tuesday evening? I want to know that. I mean, this, the stats you get from this are great. They're not that good. Uh, Colin wasn't walking the dog at that particular time. But just like, put your hands together for Steve because he has been putting all of this together <laughs> and making it happen, <laughs> so you could get uh, some, receive some information along the way and be updated. Thanks for that, Tim, along the way. We've been talking about... Because I said so. And if you want to follow us with this morning, you can download, just jump back up one at the Bible app. If you want to get onto that, Matthew chapter 14 is what we'll be looking at in one particular place here this morning. We're covering the theme this entire month, because I said so. They did it well a moment ago. All those phrases, all that calling out, all those things you might hear from a grumpy adult who doesn't want to do something to a young child who says, why do I have to? Because I said so. Three weeks ago, Ellie was looking at the idea of owning something personally. If you're going to move past the because I said so, Ellie was talking about owning it personally. Steve last week, taking responsibility, asking the 6, 8, 10 questions. If you haven't got those, sort of listen to it. In the updates, you can sort of click into it from there. And this week, I want to talk about acting accordingly. When I was about 14 years old, I got a job. My first job in uh, Scully's Fruit or a Shop. I should have mentioned the name, but I just did. It was a fruit and vegetable shop. It was good. It was a business, and and I was earning about $4 an hour. I remember as a 14-year-old that I was on parcel pickup. That means working down below. If you purchased some groceries, I would carry it to your car, and I would place it in the car. I really didn't like people who park their car right down the very back because I'd have to walk a long way, particularly if they ordered watermelons on that day. They were heavy. And so I would walk it, place it in, and at the end of your shift, let's say it was a Thursday evening shift, at the very end of the shift, what you had to do was go up top into the, the floor space and they gave you a mop and they said, before you go, you've got to mop the floor. That was it. That was just the schedule. And you would mop that floor and you would clean the bucket out, take all the rubbish off the floor, all the dirt, and at the end of it, they would walk up and down the aisles, suspiciously, cautiously, and they would look to see if the job had been done according to their standards. So, on routine occasions, they would say, no, job's not done good enough, we want you to do it again. Oh! It's the last thing you wanted to do. had to mop all up again. So you start from the start and go all through it again. Very quickly, you realized that if you wanted to get out of there and if you wanted to actually sort of, you know, reduce the time, space, what you needed to do is not do it because you had to do it, but because you wanted to do it. Because when you wanted to do it, you did a better job. You needed to be part of owning the business together and being part of the whole thing. And so that's what you did. You mop the floor, you did a good job, and then you could go. I'm told that in uh, monastic orders occasionally vacation, if you wanted to join the monastery, anyone here who wants to join the monastery, they would give you a mop, and they'd say mop the floor. And once you'd mop the floor, they'd say mop it again. And once you'd mop the floor again, they'd say, thank you for mopping the floor, now mop it again. You see, it wasn't about the mopping of the floor. For some people, it took a while before the penny dropped. What the whole mop thing was about was testing your heart. <laughs> Can you take instruction? Are you able to receive instruction from other people or forever in life, are you having to go, you know what, why should I? Do I have to? Who says? The truth is in life, if you want to get ahead, sooner or later you and I need to move past the because I said so kind of scenario. Take Miranda, for instance. Miranda is still a child. Will she ever grow up? No. Why? Because she's never learnt to move past the because I said so. She always needs to take instruction from someone else. You might know someone just like Miranda. The idea of needing to receive instruction from someone else in order to accomplish anything. You see, what Miranda needs is a heart transplant. She needs 30 centimetres of change in her life. She needs to be able to transport what her brain's telling her to do to actually move it down to her heart. She needs 30 centimetres of change. You see, if we don't have 30 centimetres of change in our lives, if everything that we do is just about the head and having to do it because someone told us, we're not going to get very far in our relationships. We're not going to get very far in our workspaces. We're not going to get very far in our schools. We're not going to get very far with God because we'll always see someone else as being the person who we have to take instruction from or who tells us what to do. It's not really coming from a space of wanting to. It's coming from a space of having to. And that doesn't quite connect with us really deeply, does it? We need 30 centimetres of change. That's what Miranda needs. That's what we all need. Jesus told this story once. He said, "Once there was two sons, he said to the older son, this, this farmer, he had a vineyard. He said to the older son, "I want you to go out into the vineyard, and what I want you to do is work for me." The older son said, "No, I won't do that." But then later on, he changed his mind. He had a change of heart, he had a change of thinking, and he worked in the vineyard. And then the, the same farmer, the father went to their younger son, and he said, "I want you to work in my vineyard." The, the, the younger son said, "I will do that." But he had a change of heart, he had a change of mind, he actually it was just lip service, he, he never did anything. Jesus said, which of the sons was obedient? Which is the ones that actually was doing something from the heart? And they said, well, it was the older son. He said no at the start, but then he had a heart change. And that's what each and every one of us needs if we're going to own these things personally. I remember at a time in my life when I was about 19 years old, where, if you like, following God was more of a head thing. Yeah, I could read my Bible like Dan was talking about this morning. I could, I could pray. I could speak to God. I could be involved in doing things. But I remember there was a time in my life where I said, God, don't you ever think that you're going to take the most important thing away from me, which was my sporting uh, activities, my running. I'm dedicating my life to this. I went away for a week with a group of other people on a camp, a leading. I was a leader on a a camp that was focused about God and I just remember during that time it wasn't as though God said anything to me but he began to change my heart. He began to move the things I knew in my head 30 centimeters south from here down to here. At the end of that week all I could tell you was it was as though there was this sense of God's love being poured out, God's, God's welcome and it shifted things from In my life from having to do things for God because he needed to have done things done for him to please him, to a radical shift of just realizing that I was welcome as a family member. I was a son, I was a daughter, I was a child of his and it was something I wanted to do. At the end of that week, all I knew was that there was a shift had taken place where I went, You know what, God, I want to please you. All the other things are secondary see, there's a part of the Bible that talks exactly about this idea of pleasing God from the heart. It goes like this. Paul writes, he said, so whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Not so that I can get something in return, not because he needs to be pleased in order to be satisfied, but because there's this dynamic relationship between the two, myself and God, to please him. Either way, Christ's love controls us. There's a heart transplant that's taken place The 30 centimetres of change. He goes on to write, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. That new rising life has come alive in them. You see, it's not about having to always hear the command because I told you so, even though that's okay sometimes but as wanting to actually shift it and say, it's because I want to do things to please, to please. I mean, we would love this as parents. You know, parents, remember that, that, that time you long for as a parent where your child will come to you and they'll say, Oh, Father, I have folded the sheets of my bed. Now I'm wondering if you would like me to buff the dishes for you before I go to sleep. You know, that, wouldn't you love that? As a mother, I mean, your child to come and say, Oh, Mother, dear, I have just cleaned the car for you. And and now I'm wondering if you would like me to do your room as well. Wouldn't you love it? As as a boss, as a boss in your. Wouldn't you love it if one of your employees came and said, Oh, oh, great and good boss. How I beseech thee. I I, I not only want to do things because you tell me to, but I want to please you in every imaginable way. Is there anything else you'd like me to do? I've done all the tasks. Wouldn't you love this? From the heart. Not because you have to but because you want to. You see, the whole idea of of connecting with God and following Jesus is there's 30 centimetres of change that happens, that once you've aligned your head and it's okay for your head to be aligned, um, ask those questions of taking responsibility, then your body needs to come into action with your thinking, with your values, with your faith, if you like, and that's when there's incredible power that can, if you like, for change that can happen in and through you. So there's this transition that takes place. You learn, you discover that you want to please God, not because you have to, but because you want to, and it's his life that's invading yours. And so there's this transition. If you like, there's this dynamic change from saying, I know the things I should do, but I actually want to do them, and I'm aligning my feet, and I'm aligning my hands in the direction that you want. You see, in the workspace, we call it initiative. (laughs) In the God space, he calls it faith initiative. And if you're going to learn, if we're going to learn to act according to convictions and values, there needs to be a transition, there needs to be a step to take place along the way. And and a great place to illustrate this kind of step, this, this kind of dynamic is taken from the Bible an encounter that Jesus had with his disciples on the water. Because what I discover along the way is that if you actually want to walk with God, Once your heart's in the right place, he wants pretty much one of three things for us every day, any day, that we step out of the door whenever we walk out of our home. He invites us to step up or to step out or just to stay where we are because we don't always have to do things to please God. In fact, sometimes just doing what we're doing is pleasing enough. Sometimes God, though, he, he wants us to step up, he wants us to step out or maybe just stay where we are. And here's the encounter that Peter and Jesus have on the water. It says this, immediately after this, after Jesus had, had provided uh, a meal, this substantial meal for thousands of people with just a small amount of resource, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent people, the, the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell when he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the heavy... Uh, far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. You and I would probably do the same. And then it goes on and says, But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, said Peter, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Isn't this the most natural thing you would do if you saw a ghost walking on the water? You'd say, can I come and join you? I mean, this is supposed to be funny right here. Jesus is going by and they think it's a ghost. And Peter says, well, if it's you, can I just walk out on the water with you? First thing that comes to mind, hey? And Jesus said these words. He said, okay, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? You see, Jesus here isn't chastising Peter. He's not saying this is you're a bad boy for, for looking at the wind and the waves that seem to just consume everything. But he's just saying, Peter, did you know who it was? I was here with you. Didn't you know? Didn't you trust me? The key words here, Peter got down out of the boat. You see, what I discover is that when we move from the because I said so, to saying to God, my heart's in the right place and I want to do things that are pleasing to you. What would you like me to do? Would you like me to step up today? Would you like me to step out? Would you like me to just stay where I am? What we requires in each one of those things is an initiative, a faith initiative, to say, God, what are you asking me to do? And I'll do it. I'll stay where I am. I'll step out for you. I'll step up. What is it that you would like me to do? And Jesus says often to people, why don't you just come? Why don't you step out of the boat and follow me? Some of you are here this morning and you go, you know what? I've stopped speaking to God because, I don't know, it's just got a little bit ho-hum in life and I'm just wondering if he's really there and you've actually stopped talking to him along the way and you're wondering, God, are you there? Shall I experience you anymore? But what you've forgotten along the way is that if you want to engage with God, if you want to experience Jesus, you've got to step out of the boat (laughs) in small ways and big ways. I mean, that's the thing I love about what Dan was talking this morning, the thank you water. There's a time in his life and he actually described it today that he would arrive in his workspace each day and he would say, I might fail. You see, one of the biggest challenges we face in being able to step out in any way, small or big way for God in doing things and taking initiative, faith initiatives, is that we wonder, God, will you meet us on the other side? Are you actually there? Are you actually prompting me to do this? And so along the way, we can be caught up in fear. I mean, fear is that very thing that immobilizes us and prevents us from actually doing anything. The trick with Jesus, though, is this if you want to discover him and experience him, you actually experience him on the other side of taking a step of faith. I mean, you might be here this morning and you're saying, look, I'm just checking out God. I don't know if he's real. I don't know if Jesus is who he says he is. And there'll become a time in your investigation where you will have to say to yourself, have i got enough information to make a decision? And then there's one thing though that's missing is that you've got to actually, at some stage, take an initiative, a step of faith, if you like, a faith initiative, and step out of the boat and say, God, if you're there, would you come into my life? If if, if you are who you say you are, would you actually do something within me? And that's where you get to meet Jesus. Some of you here this morning are waiting for the telephone call that will change your life. (laughs) God's got great things in store for me. I I think there's, and, and you're waiting for the telephone call that will change your life whilst you're standing in the boat. And Jesus said, if you, if you want to actually, why don't you hop out of the boat? He, hear the things that are prompting. Hear the things that you, you, I mean, you hear me saying, would you come out of the boat? Because that's where you actually meet me along the way. So, one wonder if you here this morning and you're, you're longing for a, a sense of an increased vitality in life with God. And he's actually calling you, to step out of the boat. You see, the greatest obstacle we have often for doing anything is, apart from being busy, is that we're immobilised often by fear. What if I fail? What if I step out and it falls short? What if I look foolish? What if I heard the wrong thing? What if it doesn't work out the way in which I want? What will other people think? All of these things are just natural causes in our life. So for anyone who thinks like that, and might be immobilized by fear and just still standing in the boat. Jesus gives two commands and one promise. The two commands of this. The first one is, follow me. Follow me, Jesus said. As he was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up, took that faith initiative, if you like, and followed him. Matthew might have heard things about Jesus along the way, but he got up and stepped out and did things. I, I love the, the sanitary items. I'm coming to love the sanitary items around here, Days for Girls, as I'm learning more about it. I come from a family of four boys, and so I'm getting past the awkwardness of talking about that. But I love the idea but now Jen Gunston is going across to Uganda and one of the projects that she's taking, she's going across what, next week, is it Jen? Is it next week? She's going across next week and she's actually taking the, the Days of for Girls kit that Michelle has been working on and that you've been working on here over there. And so the sewing ladies over in Uganda are going to start doing it for their own community. Oh, we should be praying that that would just multiply because it actually allows girls to stay in education for that month, for that time of the year in which that they wouldn't be able to. Wow, that's great. Time of the year. That is a long... No wonder they're so moody for the whole... Penny just dropped. I'm in big trouble. Um... See, I told you I come from a family of four boys. Follow me. You see, I love that, what, what Dan Flynn was doing because he would looked at Jesus enough along the way to go, I reckon this is a Jesus thing. And so the, the idea of, of when you look at Jesus, he inspires. If you are a leader in your workplace here, if you are someone who provides leadership anywhere, do you want that 30 centimeters of change to happen in your employees and your kids or whatever? Well, I tell you what, Learn to say to people, follow me, but say it in this way, I will embody the vision. When I embody the vision, other people are inspired and this is exactly what people uh, experience when they read Jesus. He inspires them and when they start to discover what he's on about, they'll step out and do things like thank you water. They'll step out and do things, days for girls. They'll get on planes and go over to foreign countries. They'll step out in in workplaces and in, in homes, in communities right here because they experience this sense of call, this, this radical Jesus. Follow me, he says. The second thing he says is this. Take courage. I love this one. I love this one. I love this one because it's implicitly in- stating that we fear. We fear. Often we have the what-ifs that run through our head all the time. Don't, don't they? That's enough to keep people in the boat. But Jesus says, Okay, accept the fact that you'll have what ifs, accept the fact that there'll, be, that there'll be this anxiety that will well up in you in times, accept that. But take courage, take courage. I remember being in a youth hostel in Bath hmm, about 15 years ago. I remember Bron and I were travelling around about and we were in this youth hostel and, and I remember going into the guy's dorm side, and I was sleeping, I needed a good night's sleep that night but then in the middle of the night someone else turned up and, and, and they started to snore. Have you ever been in a place where you need a night's sleep and someone you don't know comes and starts snoring? It's probably a little bit of uh, a situation you probably haven't encountered before, but I did. And, and, and I got up uh, to, to go because he woke me up and I remember walking over to stumbling through this this dorm trying to figure out where was the noise coming from and I finally got to the noise right and, and I looked down in the it was really dimly lit and, and it was a biker he was a bikey like he had shaved head I think he still had his leathers on he had his and and tattoos and I remember looking at it going nah No, 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 no. I'm going to go back here. I'm going to... go. <laughs> Scaredy cat, I'm in the boat, I'm in the boat. And then it was like 3 a.m. in the morning and he's still going like a chainsaw. So I remember getting up and going over. Nah, I'm <laughs> back in my bed again. Please, please, just shut up. Uh, and then finally, I don't know what time it was, but I remember just going, oh, I've got to step out of this boat. Take courage, take courage, take courage. He might kill me. Take courage, take courage. (laughs) So, so I walked over to him. I walked over to this guy. And I'm like, uh, my hand's like, life and death, life and death, death and life, death and life. And I I just went, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And this hand reached up. It went, boom, like this. And it grabbed me and it pulled me. And I'm like, and he goes. Was I snoring? <laughs> I said, yeah. He goes, okay. <laughs> out to it. I remember going back to my bed, probably awake for the next hour, still shaking like this. I love it when Jesus says, take courage, because it means we have to accept that there's anxieties we have whenever we make a step out, in any way of faith. Yeah, If you're in the workplace here and you want to inspire the 30 centimetres of change, why don't you embody the vision, but at the same time in this taking courage, why don't you encourage people? Because when you encourage people, they grow in confidence. They learn to take initiative because you're with them, not against them. That's just powerful and profound. Two commands of Jesus. And the last one he gives as a promise is this. For anyone who wants to step out of the boat in any form, shape or form is simply this. I am with you. I am with you. He says, teach these things to new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. This is when Jesus has come back to life and is talking to his disciples before he's about to go back to God, his Father. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always even to the end of the age. You see, what we always need along the way is a reassurance from someone to go, you know what, and I'm with you. It doesn't mean everything's going to work out exactly the way we want, but what Jesus is saying here is that if you step out from me out of the boat in any shape or form, I am with you. I am with you. And I'm for you. There's a great story that 1975 grand final, John Kennedy, North Melbourne versus Hawthorne. were down by five goals. John Kennedy was the coach. And he gives one of the most profound halftime speeches in the history of the AFL and the VFL at the time. He gathers them down. They're, they're down by five goals, the Hawks are. And they're playing against North Melbourne. They're on a roll. And when you asked John Northeer, he said, I just got into that huddle and I said to the people, you know, I'm tired. I don't want you to think. I don't want you to hope something will happen. But I want you to do something that's it he said i want you to do something and that that just resonated it was like the most inspiring speech i mean it's it's still in the hall of fame now they say john noughty going i want you to do something it was so inspirational that by the end of the game the hawks had lost by 10 goals not five which doesn't really help for my illustration this morning (laughs) apart from the fact that it was a really good speech at the time But I wonder if you can hear Jesus this morning standing in the boat. You're in your workplace and you're wanting to lead. You need to hear his reassurance, but you need to hear his words. If you want to experience me, you experience me on the other side. What I want you to do is wake up in each morning and I want you to do something. I want you to do something because that's when you're engaged with me. You see, I celebrate stories around here all the time of people who are engaged in doing things. Tim Swain, give us a wave. Where are you? Tim Swain's out on his nature strip putting some stuff out there about four months ago and he strikes up a conversation with Yuan. Where are you, Yuan? Give us a wave. You're right next to Tim, so the two of them are sitting there. And and, and Yuan, um, she strikes up a conversation and Tim says hi and she says hi and they start talking. He says, why don't you come along to NCR? Because Yuan's arrived from China. And so, she's getting to engage with people. And in China, um, she's come over here and she's sort of learning the ropes around here. And so, she's been coming along for the last three or four months, which has been brilliant. She's been attending our journeys courses. And, and along the way, I said, well, what did you do in China? She said, I worked for the communist army. I said, really? Really? It was a, bit, a little bit scary at the time there. And the, what did you do in the communist army? She said, I was an anesthetist." I said, you're a doctor. She said, yeah. And she's discovering... Uh, about life here in Australia and uh, exploring who Jesus is along the way and it's been brilliant to have you on but that's just started with someone walking on their nature trip and saying yeah I'll step out someone's here to talk I'll, I'll step up I'll, I'll do that thing and, and have a conversation um ha- have we got any Persian people in the room this morning can you give us a wave uh any other Persian people uh, hello hello salam. We've got, we're, Manu and Babak have been coming along as well. So some of you might have engaged with them. They're, these guys have been coming along to our, our journeys group as well. But see, what happened for, for, um, uh, for, for these guys to connect in is that someone decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to step up. I'm going to invite some people into my life. I'm going to step up and uh, invite some people into my world so that we can start to form relationship. So I'm in and husty, that's been their experience. And so for this last year, that's what's been going on. But then Minu and Babak, they they meet someone else here who says, why don't you, they've stepped up and they said, why don't you actually come in and be involved? And so three weeks ago, we started the journeys course, right? And, And we're driving home that night. And these guys, these two different Persian families have met one another for the first time since they left Iran a year, a year and a half ago. Both came out by boats, right? And I'm driving the car home to drop them off. And they started talking in, in Farsi. That's what they say, speak Farsi. And so they're speaking and I'm saying, what are they saying? And, and Amin's in the front seat and he goes, oh, they're saying that um, we, we might know each other. I said, what do you mean? Uh, he said, well, um, Minus here saying she recognises Husty. Really? She recognises Husty. Well, how could she possibly recognise Husty? How many people are there in Iran? He goes, what, 40 million. Thank you very much. I mean, 17 million people in Iran and they sort of on the boats together. And I said, what? Are you kidding me? And and he said, oh, actually, I think we might be related. I said, you're what? He said, oh, no, it's my cousin's friend knows because we come from the same small town. I said, you are kidding me. He said, no, this is good. I said, this isn't just good. This is God at work. You can't just make these. So I nearly had an accident in the car on the way home. You're kidding me. You see, folk, connecting in because someone's decided to step up. I'm not going to be too busy. I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to open my life. I'm going to open my world to someone else. You want to be a leader here today and actually move 30 centimetres in your employees, in your kids, in your... Learn, follow me. Embody a vision for people to follow. Why don't you say, um, take courage because I'm going to encourage you. And, And why don't you say, I'm with you. I'm going to give you reassurance along the way we're going to listen to and we're going to be invited to engage with a moment of worship of God this morning if you've been inspired by anything you hear this morning from from Dan to people's stories along the way I want to ask you this morning are you here in a place that you need to think about one of these three things stepping up Is God inviting you to step up somewhere some way in your workplace in your home life I spoke with a man uh, last night. I went to the football with him two weeks ago. He said, I'm getting a migraine. Can't see the goalposts anymore. He went home. He went to a hospital for 12 days. He said, viral meningitis, then a form of golden staff on top of it. He said, one in three of us will die. And he said to me on his way home as he's recovering, "There's someone my age, he said, I think God's telling me I need to step up. Wow. You just never know. Maybe Jesus might be speaking to you morning about saying, step out, come and follow me. You might have all the answers to everything, but follow me. Or maybe you just need to stay where you are and hear his good response to you. Well done, good, faithful servant. I wonder how God might be speaking to you today. I wonder in this space how you might hear his voice. In a moment, we're going to invite you to respond to him. And as you do, act. Don't stay in the boat because you meet Jesus on the other side.